We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to our second edition of the Transfer Portal Offseason Update, Field of 68 After Dark, whatever you want to call it show. Rob Dosser here. I got Jeff Goodman here with me. It is Wednesday afternoon. It is noon. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. There is a lot that has happened over the course of the last uh, about 72 hours in the world of college basketball. We wanted to run this on Tuesday too many commitments were happening on Tuesday. We wanted to make sure that we were able to talk about them. LL is going to Arkansas. Uh, Stephen Ashworth going to Creighton. West Virginia has added a couple of key pieces. Goodman, I think that we have to talk about the fact that West Virginia has been the most active uh, and, and probably the biggest winner in the transfer portal in the Big 12 during this offseason. I did not have that one uh, predicted in my vaulted app heading into the offseason. Reigning National Player of the Year, Zach Eady. He has declared for the draft with uh, with the intention of testing the waters and leaving open the possibility of coming back to school. We're going to talk about whether or not that would be the right decision and what Purdue looks like with him coming back. And we're going to be joined at the bottom of the hour by Dukes, Mark Mitchell. We have uh, we have some teasing questions that we're going to ask him. Goodman is going to uh, ask him for his most embarrassing John Shire story. Uh, I don't know why. Goodman loves asking these questions. This is what Jeff Goodman does. He loves to put people in awkward situations. Shire forever. We we need because we need a, a whole every Duke player um, we talk to. We just need to ask them that, and we'll put it together a compilation <laughs> of the most embarrassing. Because like Shire looks like the 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 you know the, the golden boy who's never done anything wrong, but I know he's got some skeletons in his closet. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the most embarrassing story people are going to have about Shire is one day he walked into practice with his shoe untied. Like it's shy. What do what, what you got on him, man? I don't know if you got much on There's him. Gotta be something. There's gotta be something. Uh, but listen, the first thing that we have to talk about is the reigning national champions have had quite a bit of roster movement over the course of the last week. Andre Jackson has declared for the draft while leaving his options open to return. Adama Sonogo has declared for the draft. Uh, and it does not look like he is going to come back at this point, although that possibility is still on the table. Um, come back to UConn. No, come back to college. Oh, I thought you were saying come back to UConn. Yeah, come, come back to college. I don't think we'll, that possibility we'll, really exists. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that conversation in a little bit here. Um, and Naheem Aline has entered the transfer portal and has already committed to Big East rival St. John's and their uh, Hall of Fame head coach, Rick Patino. I want to start with this, though, Goodman. Andre Jackson heading to the draft. 
uh, at least working out and preparing for the draft. He's going to go through the process. He's going to test the waters. He's going to get the feedback that he should be getting. I believe that this is the right decision for him to process, uh, to, to get all the information available to him. I think that he will be a top 40 pick if he declares. The big question to me, well, does he want to play in the G League? Well, here's the biggest thing for me. The biggest thing for me is where is he going to – he just won a national title. So where are you going to get better at? Are you going to get better doing this again in stores, Connecticut, uh, where, frankly, you're not going to get a ton of you, – you've got classes to worry about, you've got other things, or do you want to just go pro, whether you're a top 30, 40, 60 pick, where you can improve your outside shot? Because that is the only thing holding Andre Jackson back right now. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's got everything else in his arsenal. He, he's tough as shit. Uh, he makes people better. He's an elite defender who can guard multiple positions. Uh, he can put on the floor. He does everything but shoot the ball. So to me, if I'm giving the advice to Andre Jackson, which I don't want to be, but if I was advising him, I would say, you know what? Your best bet right now, uh, start your clock. Yes, you could probably make a little bit more money coming back to UConn, potentially, potentially, although it's probably a wash at this point. Who knows? Um, you know, if he goes in the top 40, he'll make more money um, playing pro than he would with NIL in, in, in college at UConn. But I would say, again, the biggest thing for him, getting that perimeter shot, uh, and you do that in the NBA, you don't do that in college because he's just not going to get enough reps in college. Yeah, I think the big question that that he probably has is where is he going to be playing? You know, this is the dude that really enjoys – Sure. Uh, being a college basketball player, being a student athlete at UConn, there, there, he's he's one of those guys that just loves it, right? Um, you you fly chartered flights everywhere, right? You're going to be able to make enough NIL money that he's not going to be sitting there. Uh, what, what did Shabazz Napier used to say? He used to go hungry at night. Andre Jackson ain't going to go hungry at night, right? That's your everyone hungry at night. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, the big question to me is um, is going to be, does he is he okay playing in the G League? Right. Is he going to be uh, if he gets drafted in the early second round, he's probably going to be a guy that spends the the, the beginning of the season playing down in the G League. Does he want to play in the G League or does he want to come back to college for a year? Now, if he ends up being a first round pick and and someone tells him, look, you're going to be on an NBA roster 95 percent of the season, then I think that he probably has to take that and has to make that decision to go. Nobody's going to tell him that. I mean, that's where people don't understand, like these Mm -hmm. promises. They don't exist generally, especially late in the first round. Or like a team can say, hey, if you're there when we're picking, we're going to take you. They don't know who else might slide. It's like the NFL draft coming up. It's the dumbest shit ever. You know, yes, there can be a promise at like eight or ten. If 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 you're there, we're, we're going to take you. And again, for the most part, they know what's going to happen. The seven spots in front of them, for the most part. And, and But at, at 30, at 40? You, you generally have no idea. There might be somebody there that they didn't expect that. They, hey, sorry, Andre. We, we told you we'd take you, but we didn't know this dude was going to be there. So, and I'm not saying that just with Andre Jackson. I'm saying that with anybody that's going in the late first round, that's going in the second round. There, there's no such thing as a promise at that point. Yeah. The, what I will say is that if enough teams tell you that we'll take you if you're around, then you can have a pretty good idea that you're going to be selected 
in a certain range. And if you get that idea that you're going to be selected in that certain range, then you probably need to go. Um, speaking of being selected in a certain range, I don't know if Adama Sanogo is going to end up getting drafted. He's one of the more interesting conversational pieces when it comes to this offseason, right? We're talking about a guy, UConn legend, a guy that was uh, instrumental in bringing the program back to college basketball supremacy, um, and a guy that was the final four most outstanding player. And now he is... It's looking like he's going pro without the guarantee of being an NBA player next season. What do you see on his future? Um, do you believe that he is absolutely going to the NBA or going to the professional route? What's you're what, trying what, to what, you're trying to get me to say something here, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. I'm trying to get you to say something. Um all right, so I gotta be very careful here, but obviously uh, Adama Sinoga was the best player on the best team uh, in the country this year. Um, he wants to go pro. Like you said, will he be drafted at all? I, I don't know the answer to that. Could he, you know, could he get a two-way? Yeah, I mean, probably, probably, you know, somewhere in that late second round, maybe he's undrafted, but he gets a two-way. Um, you know, you're talking four, five, six hundred thousand a year, some somewhere around there. Um, he's not going back to UConn. I mean, it would shock the hell out of me if he ends up going back to UConn. It can't. You're not going to have Sonogo and Klingon part right. two. It's just not. You've already happen. told Klingon that Sonogo is not going to be there if you're mm -hmm. UConn. So that's already you've kind of closed the door on that. That Klingon's going to be the guy that gets 30 minutes a game, and that's part of the reason why he came back because Klingon would have been drafted. I talked to like four, four or five NBA uh, GMs, and they all said they would have taken him in that 25 to 40 range. So he definitely would have been drafted potentially late in the first round. Um, I, I see a scenario. There's two scenarios that could play out. One is, hey, you know what? Sonogo's going pro no matter what. He, he's just going pro. He's done what he could do. And the other scenario is uh, the feedback isn't good from the NBA guys. You're not going to be drafted. Um, and he says, you know what? At this point, can't really go back to UConn. I'm going to throw my name in the portal here. I don't know if he's going to get enough information at that point to be able to do it because there's a date. I forget what it is when the portal basically closes. Um, I assume you could still fight that um, to some degree, but, but I, I think again, I don't know how much confidence he's going to have because I assume he'll, he'll be at the combine. Um, he'll meet with teams. He'll work out for teams. Um, maybe, you know, after that. And I just think at that point, it's almost, might be too late. Uh, so I think he ends up going pro at this point. Um, and, and whether it's, you know, in the G League or maybe gets drafted late in the in the second round, who knows. But I still think there is a slim possibility that you could see Adama Sinogo in a different college uniform next year making a shit ton of money for NIL. Yeah, so the what I've been told is that the the offers that he's heard has been somewhere around the $800,000 range, right? Um, which is more than he would get if he was on a two-way. And, and for the record, I I feel confident in the fact that he would probably end up on a two-way if he went to the professional route. I just think that the the way that he kind of showcased a better ability to move, a better, better ability to pass, a better ability to shoot, um, and the fact that he's only been playing basketball for six years, I think that someone would buy into the idea, man, you know what, maybe we can turn this guy into a small ball five. I don't know. Um, and give him a two-way contract, which is like 500 grand a year. So if he goes pro, even if he gets a two-way, in theory, he's probably leaving a little bit of money on the table. But I'm going to talk about a bigger picture kind of conversation with you here, because 
we hear these numbers get thrown around all the time. Nigel Pack got 400K a year for two years, right? Um, Adama Sonogo is getting offered 800K. There's big numbers that are getting thrown out there for what Jesse Edwards got to go to West Virginia, for what these guys are getting to go to, uh, to Arkansas, for what players got last season to go to Texas Tech. How, one, how inflated are those numbers and what are guys actually getting when it comes down to it? And two, is there any way for the players to have some level of protection where if they get that number offered to them, they know that they're actually going to get that number paid to them when they get to that school? Um, number one, I, I would say uh, you cut the numbers you're hearing in half. I, I think that's probably about accurate. You know, like, you know, I, I was hearing for the West Virginia guys, Creesa and Jesse Edwards, you know, people are saying six, seven hundred grand. I would guess that number is somewhere uh, in half. And, and and most of these numbers are, are cut in half. Um, I also think it, it's it's one of those things now where you get beat. You get beat for a player. What does every staff say now? Well, it was NIL. They offered more money. Couldn't compete with that, right? That That's what you're going to hear now is the excuse why you didn't get a kid. And sometimes it's valid, right? Sometimes it's valid, but but sometimes it's not. Uh, but it's an easy way of, of saying, you know, in the in the uh, old days uh, when I was covering recruiting, it was always, well, if they didn't get the kid, it was he cheated, right? They cheated mm-hmm. to get the kid. Now it's they got more NIL. Yeah, well, think think about it like this for people listening. Think about it like this. Who wants the numbers for what players are getting paid put out there? It's not going to be the players, and it's not going to be the staffs that got those players committed. It is going to be the staffs that got beaten. It's going to be the other staffs in the country. Um, in a and- way, though, in a way, I get what you're saying, but in a way, it's like, hey, if I'm Texas or Texas Tech, and I, Texas Tech isn't going to have the NIL they had last year, but if I'm Texas – or or Arkansas, and I got big NIL. Like, why don't I want it out there? Why don't I want it leaked out there that, hey, we got the best damn NIL out there. Come here. Come here. You're this right. is the you're place right. where you're going to well, get paid. No matter who puts it out, the incentive is to make that number look bigger. If you're a rival coach saying, look, there's a reason why we couldn't pay 800 grand to get Jesse Edwards, whereas if you're West Virginia, then you're, you want people to say, hey, look, you come to West Virginia, this is what you can get paid if you're good enough. So there's always an incentive to have that number be inflated. Yeah, I mean, I just think, again, and kids are inflating them when they're talking to other people, saying they got paid more than they are, a lot of them, right? So that's kind of where it starts, and it's like a game of telephone. You know, they tell somebody, that number gets out there, people, oh, yeah, the kid might have said, you know, 500. Well, then the next, he says it to a coach. That's how you negotiate, man. That's business. If if someone comes in and offers me 100 grand for a sponsorship, and I'm going to go to the rival and say, yeah, they offered us 150, right? That's what you do. That's how it works. It's the nature of the business. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, Yeah, I I, I would. Again, I mean, I I think this is just such a different world and we've talked about it and we're going to get a show together with with some coaches uh, talking about this, but and and players over the course of the offseason. But how much these players are just picking schools based on, on money now. And again, for some kids that are not playing in the NBA or are not going to make huge money, I'm all for it. Go get, go get as much as you can. But for some kids who are picking it based on money instead of fit and where they can have the potential to show what they can do and the opportunity maybe uh, to, to either get to the NBA or make good money playing overseas for the next 10 or 15 years, I think that's, that's very short-sighted by them and their their people around them, whether it's their parents, their mentor, their AU coach, their high school coach, 
whoever it is. Again, if, if you're talking huge money here, that's uh, life-changing money, I, I totally get it, and I would do the same damn thing if I were them. Uh, but if the money is, is, is not dramatically different, then I, I think you got to look at fit, uh, where you can thrive, where you can have the opportunity to play as opposed to potentially uh, maybe having to fight other players uh, for minutes. And, and and again, like develop, develop. Yeah, who's going to put you in a situation where you can go get that at BNA, uh, go be an NBA draft pick or go be – a, a star playing overseas. Yes. Yeah, you want you want to continue your development and continue your basketball career while getting paid. Don't chase the highest dollar figure. Chase the best situation for you. Because let's be frank, at the end of the day, no matter where you go, you're going to get something. And it's going to be a big number if you're good enough. Um, all right. Speaking of big guys that, uh, that have a decision to make, Zach Eady, Purdue's star center, the reigning national basketball or national college basketball player of the year, uh, has declared for the NBA draft. Um, is he gone? Is he coming back? Where do you stand on Zach Eady? And what do you think his prospects are at the next level? I've said already, Jeff, I think that he's a guy, best case scenario in the NBA, you're looking at like a uh, a Boban kind of a figure that is going to work in certain matchups and in certain lineups uh, and has a role in the NBA. But that's about what you can expect at the next level. You know what's bananas? Like, I I'm just thinking back and and – like eight years ago, I'm covering the NBA draft and Jaleel Okafor slipped. Remember, people thought he might go number one overall and, and he slipped to number three. And uh, I just remember looking at his face when he slipped to three because it was the Sixers at that point. And the Sixers were a complete disaster. You know, it was it was all about uh, tanking and, and, and all that with, with uh, Sam Hankey. So it just shows you how much it's changed because – not that they're the same player, Edie and, and Okafor, but they're both guys who couldn't guard. Uh, they don't guard especially well. They're more plotting bigs. They're traditional bigs. And you just look at how much the game has changed over the last eight years. Zach Edie, if he had come out in 2015, we'd be talking about him as a lottery pick. And now we're saying he probably won't be drafted at all. So I, I think ultimately, I said it before, I don't have intimate knowledge on this. I think Zach Edie's going to go through the process. He's going to see, again, keep an open mind on all of it. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Sonogo-ish in a way, although his situation is different because he'll go back to Purdue, where I don't think Adama's got the opportunity right now really to go back to UConn. Um, I just think ultimately it, it comes down to NIL. And even though he's from Canada, all, all you have to do is be creative. To, to get these kids that are international students paid, you basically just have to leave the country and, and have him sign autographs or do act, you know, like do some other stuff uh, outside of the U.S. border. Um, so you can do that with Edie. There's uh, somebody right now uh, trying to look at playing a game in Canada involving Purdue right now. Um, a, a, a top college, you know, like Purdue against a big time team in Canada. So all that money could go to Zach Edie. Pretty much. You can just filter it to Zach Eady. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to make, I don't know how what the number will be. Can he make a million dollars? I think Zach Eady is smart enough to understand that, you know what, he loves He loves Purdue. Um, he, he's gotten a lot better over the course of his career every year. So he can still get better. It's not like he's tapped out what he can do. He can get better. Look at the difference it's made from his sophomore to his junior year. 
and he understands that better than anybody. Um, I think he goes back to Purdue. I just think when the smoke clears, he's looking at maybe being drafted, maybe being drafted, probably not. Um, and, and I think ultimately the best avenue for him is to make more money going back to Purdue for one more year and being a star. You and I saw it. The kid was signing autographs for like an hour after the game. People mm-hmm. love him. And this is not a kid who had his, his ass kissed his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think that he feels a level of loyalty towards Purdue as well. Sure. Right. Like he, he's, uh, he said it to us. He said it in other interviews, like Matt Painter gave him a chance that not very many people would have given him. Right. Matt Painter forced his teammates to like, keep giving him the ball when he was, I think his, what was his quote to you? I sucked. Yep. Right. Yep. And say, I sucked. Yep. So the ball left him right. Yeah, I think he he's very thankful and appreciative and loyal to Matt Painter for the opportunity that he has gotten. And I think I again I haven't talked to him about this, but my my guess is that there's a level of uh there's a level of guilt involved. Maybe guilt's the wrong word, but they got knocked out in the first round. Matt right. Painter is the one taking the heat for that right now. And I don't think Zach Eady is going to like Matt Painter being the one to take the heat. So if you are a guy that won a national player of the year award at Purdue. If you are a guy that can come back and be a back-to-back national player of the year award winner, if you are a guy that can finally get Matt Painter over the hump and get them into the final four, let's say that they add a couple more uh, talented backcourt pieces in the portal, right? All of a sudden you're looking at a situation where like, you're not just um, a great story for one year. Like you can be a legitimate Purdue legend. They could sit there and say, Zach Eady, Glenn Robinson, Robbie Hummel. Like in that order, you know what I mean? Like there, he has a chance to make himself. Well, he's uh, already all time great college wait, basketball. Wait, he's already player. way ahead of Hummel here. Come on. Yeah, I know. The, right now, a big dog is probably ahead of Robbie Hummel. Let's not be disparaging to, to Zach Eady here. True, true. Robbie Hummel is on the pickleball Hall of Fame. At <laughs> he's Purdue. on the tour. He's probably the pick. He's probably legitimately every day his day consists right now pickleball for an hour, and then he hits the golf course. That's it. Mm-hmm. Tough life great that life. man lives. Great life. Yeah. Imagine imagine if you didn't have to work like that. That's basically what your life was when you went to Charleston, but I digress. Anyway, I, I think that I, I do think that there is a lot of not just the financial incentive, but a, a basketball motivation sure. for Zach Eady to come back. And when you can make it so it's not a financial decision, that's the beauty of the NIL right now. You make it so it's not a financial decision. We're going to get into that a little bit with Mark Mitchell and uh, Kyle Filipowski's decision, uh, Tyrese Proctor's decision to come back. Um, all right, I want to pivot because I, I I don't know if there's been a team over the course of the last three to four years that has been more a- active in the transfer market, and now that there's a transfer in the transfer portal than Arkansas. They've already added five guys, um, and I think you can make the argument that the piece that they added uh, on, I believe it was Tuesday morning, was the biggest addition that they've made this offseason. L. Ellis, coming from Louisville, I'll 17 points, four assists. Uh, joins Khalif Battle, joins Jeremiah Davenport, joins Tremont Mark, joins Kenyon Minifield, joins potentially Devo Davis, Darian Ford, Trevon Brazil, who I do believe is going to come back to school after turning. Yeah, he ACL. already said he's coming back. He's coming. He back. already said he's coming back. Yes. And then potentially Jordan Walsh, who put out like a decision post that made absolutely no sense the other day. I don't know if you saw that. No. <laughs> um, but it, it looks like Arkansas can be loaded once again. Uh, what do you? Where do you stand on this group? Where do you stand on the impact that L. Ellis could have with that team? Uh, and is Arkansas 
going to sit here and be a national title favorite when we head into next season. Because I have a very difficult time looking at the pieces they've added, the pieces that they're bringing back and saying anything other than like, okay, you're going to have to pencil them at the top of the, the SEC once again. All right. L. Ellis, 32. Keon Menafield, 33. Um, Jeremiah Davenport, 33. Tremont Mark, 33. Khalif Battle, 35. Do you know what those are? The minutes they played at their last school. No. Those are their three-point shooting percentages. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> no, you weren't. You actually weren't close at all. But <laughs> that's my worry. That's my worry with Arkansas. Again, again, we, we saw it last year where they didn't have a knockdown shooter. Well, they did. The kid pinion off the bench. But other than that, they didn't have a guy who could shoot the hell out of the ball. Maybe maybe they're not done here because they got to wait to see what happens with Devo and, and Walsh. Um, and maybe Brazil – will be a better shooter. We got to have him on the show. I, I love that kid. Really like the kid. Uh, he, he took a hit for me. How about this? Before uh, their NCAA tournament game, you know about Inflategate, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I tried to grab a basketball, and I was dribbling it. And I gave him my phone. I said, I need you to video this so I can show everybody that it's like, it's like a Super Bowl, um, the way this thing bounces. So he was all in. He was ready to video me me dribbling the ball, and then all of a sudden somebody from the NCAA went off on me. You know, basically, it didn't go off, but he was like, Jeff, you can't do that. You can't touch those balls. I'm like, all right. But Brazil was ready to take the, the heat for me um, and, and and be my videographer, which he would have done a hell of a lot better job than you do. Uh, but getting back. To- You're not allowed to make fun of anybody for their, their photo-taking or their video-taking <laughs> skills, okay? Oh, Let's great. just be clear about that. I've gotten better. I've gotten better. No, you anyway, haven't. anyway. I, I listen in must I trust to be able to put together a competitive team that we know will start off slow because that's what they do and then get better <laughs> and they peak at the right time. But I just think there might be a cap on this team if they don't have, uh, if they got a bunch of 33% three point shooters. That's the all only thing. The only thing I'll say, I'll, I'll push back yeah. on is that I think that the situation that L Ellis was in at Louisville this year. Uh, was never going to result in having a good three-point shooting season because he was asked to do too much and asked to take a lot of tough shots. And I think that you can make a little bit of the same argument with Khalif Battle, but uh, your point is um, well taken. The talent is there, the pieces are there, uh, but maybe the shooting is not. So, uh, to a point, though, I kind of I'm not super concerned about that when it comes to when it comes to Musk because basically his his uh, his mo is find a mismatch and then let his guys go and go win that mismatch. And he did add a couple guys and go out there and create their own shot in Ellis, Khalif Battle, and, and Tremont Mark specifically. So um, I don't hate the pieces they're putting together. I just wonder, like, how – let me ask you this. How sustainable is is what Muss is doing? Like, how – how, how well, Very sustainable gonna... in, this, in this world now. Like, we didn't know if it would sustain itself when he was at Nevada doing it. But now, no, well, well, I, well, my question, my question is, he's going to have another roster that's eleven or twelve deep, right? And yes. I'm sure all of these kids, when they're committing, there are getting promises on playing time, shots, scoring attempts. Yeah, look, uh, you're going to be the guy when you come in here. Well, they probably told Chris Likes he was going to be the guy, and he sat the bench for for most of the season. They probably told Jalen Grand that he was going to be the guy, right? So, is that something where eventually word gets out that, like, look, you know what? You might end up at Arkansas, but they're going to bury you on the bench. You can't trust what that that staff necessarily. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm. I'm throwing out. Uh, I mean, yes. If they have, you know, they got those five guys. You get Brazil, Debo, Walsh. What's that? That's eight, mm-hmm. right there. Uh, one of the Mitchell twins is coming back. Nine. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, these things usually have a way of working themselves out. So if I'm us, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm accumulating talent. I would just say to me, if if Walsh, which Walsh should come back, he needs to come back. Um, he, he's a stud. I, I love the kid. I just think, you know, he, he could use kind of like the kid, Adam Bona from UCLA, who I put out earlier today. He put his name in for the draft. He's another one like come back for another year. You can really get better from your freshman to your sophomore year. And they both have kind of, you know, not glaring weaknesses, but weaknesses they can work on and get better at. And Jordan Walsh, you can turn yourself into a, you know, first round pick. Um, I don't know if he is a first round pick right now. I really don't. I mean, not, he doesn't shoot be, it well enough. Yeah, you got to be able to shoot it. Or right. you have to like be Draymond Green or I mean, Andre he's Jackson. He's an elite defender. Jordan Walsh is an elite defender. And an well, elite let, me ask, let me ask you this. Jordan Walsh or Andre Jackson right now? Um, boy, boy, I'll take Jackson because he does so much more. Yeah, I was gonna say to me, it's clearly Jackson, right? It's you clearly, got but Walsh. It, honestly, it just depends which one of them can shoot it at the end of the day. Because if you can't shoot it, you can't stay on the court in the NBA. I, I, well, one, I, I hear you, and know, I don't necessarily disagree, but I, I think that with Jackson, there's so much more upside because of the passing ability and the playmaking sure. ability. Sure. Whereas Jordan Walsh, best case scenario is um, a one and or a, a, a three and D perimeter player. And if you don't have the three part and you're only playing defense, you know, I don't know how, how uh, good you end up being, but I still think at the end of the day, you're looking at a preseason top 10 team in Arkansas and I will die on that Hill, um, which looks like a Hill that I mean, to, may end up needing to die. And listen, no, I think um, you're, I think most people would probably agree with you that they'll, you know, they're going to accumulate enough talent and they're older. Like that's the other thing. To me, yep. you 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 got to be old, but you got to have the right chemistry. My only my only concern is, and I I actually think again, like if there's anybody that can do it on a year to year basis, the two guys that you kind of trust doing it that have done it are Musselman and Chris Beard, mm -hmm. that know how to rebuild a roster. Yeah. Uh, listen, we got to take a break here. Uh, but if we're talking about preseason teams with preseason hype and preseason expectations, bringing people back, Duke is going to end up being the consensus number one team in college basketball. We have one of their stars, Mark Mitchell, joining us next. He's going to tell us how he found out and how surprised he was when Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor, both potential first round picks, opted to come back to school for their sophomore seasons. Tell you guys about our sponsor for today's episode, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 a few weeks back. When we get in the middle of college hoop season, it can be hard for me to eat and drink as healthy as I probably should be, especially in late February and March when the schedule gets really busy. But I found that I've felt better as I've made AG1 a part of my daily routine. I take AG1 in the afternoons after the coffee is worn off and once the itis post-launch is kind of set in. And what I found, my energy levels are up. It's improved my digestion. And as a result, I'm not only more efficient and productive in the most important time of the year for me and for the field of 68, but I'm working out more consistently. I just feel better. AG1 is so much more than just a greens powder. It's comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally could not be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of the AG1 formula with water, and I drink it every single afternoon. Done. Just like that. I also like that it only costs $3 a day. The price is right. 
If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is the answer. They are giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Free! Just go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's athleticgreens.com backslash field68. The link is in the description below. Check it out. Support the field of 68. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Dosser here, and as you can see, I am no longer only joined by Jeff Goodman. It's nice to finally have someone that understands basketball here on the show. Mark Mitchell, star forward for the Duke Blue Devils, coming off a season where he averaged nine points, four and a half boards, and 1.2 assists. Mark is opted to return to school for a sophomore season. Mark, appreciate you being here. Kind of walk me through the process for uh, deciding to come back to school. Uh, yeah, you know, I definitely had to talk to my family, you know, people around me, Coach Shy and everybody. Uh, I thought another year could help me, you know, develop. And obviously having two of my, uh, you know, classmates back with me definitely uh, helped make the decision a little bit easier. So so how surprised were you? I, I was shocked when, when Flip, uh, Kyle Filipowski, announced mm -hmm. he was coming back. I just felt like, you know, most, most kids these days, if you're going to be a first-round pick, which – I talked to enough of those NBA guys. I think he was going to be somewhere in that first round. Most guys are gone. They don't come back. So do you remember how you heard and how surprised you were when when he told you? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I heard. Um, you know, Flip is a little bit of a different type of guy. You know, he loves, he loves you know, just being at Duke every day, I think. You know, he loves – you know, he plays with a lot of passion. I think that's how he feels off the court too, so – you know, when he decided to stay for another year, you know, I think before he even came here, he had told me, um, because we, we came on a visit together, he had told me he might, you know, want to be here for a couple of years. And I think just he loves being here. You know, he has a lot of pride and things like that. So I think I think it wasn't that surprising for us around here. I mean, obviously for you guys, just the talent that he is, uh, it's definitely surprising. But for, I think for us out here with him on a day-to-day -day basis, it wasn't, it wasn't the most shocking thing in the world. Yeah, Jeff, I don't know if you heard it, but Mark said he was the first one to decide, and he also said it was easier to make that decision with Flip and Tyrese Proctor coming back. So you let something slip, Mark. I picked up on it. <laughs> hey, I got one more for you on Flip. A year ago, when you guys got to campus, you had already seen him play um, on the circuit a little bit, but um, the, the, the word was Flip was not good in the preseason at all, and then he turned it on. I mean, he was so good. I remember in Portland – uh, when I was out there, he was phenomenal at PK-85. Mm -hmm. But tell us, like, how bad he was in the preseason if you were almost starting to be like, what's going on here? Yeah, um, obviously I knew Flip. He was a really highly touted player. I mean, I didn't play YBL, so I never actually seen him play in person. You were hurt, right. So, so I got here. So, uh, yeah, um, it definitely was a learning curve for him. Obviously, we knew he was really talented. Uh, I think he just had to, you know, catch up to what, uh, what was going on. Um, obviously, he figured it out. You know, long as, as the season went on, um, definitely. I mean, all of us had our learning curves, our ups and downs. You know, I think his maybe just showed in the preseason and during the regular season. So, uh, obviously, he was great. But he, he definitely had to, um, you know, come around in the beginning. But, obviously, he did, and he was great for us. Tyrese Proctor is also coming back to school. And he was a guy that kind of, I think, in the middle of the season, something kind of a, a switch flip there. And it seemed like he kind of figured it out a little bit, put it together, maybe got moved onto the ball a little bit more. What did you see out of him at the end of the season? And what do you think he can be next season for you guys? Yeah, you know, um, it was a little different for Tyrese. You know, he wasn't here with us in the summer. So he had to pick up on things a little faster and things like that. And I think, um, you know, it might, might have showed at the beginning of the season. But obviously when he turned it on, that's when we turned it on. You know, I think when he flipped that switch in the middle of the season, that's kind of when we started rolling. 
Um, when he got put on the ball, I think he's he's more of a natural point guard. So just having a, having him there, you know, playing the pick and roll with live and being able to facilitate for us and make plays definitely, you know, I think that's his strong suit and definitely showed, you know, to the end of the season. Also, him on defense, he started locking, you know, the best perimeter defenders up in the ACC. So I think that definitely helped us at the end of the season. Yeah, you were you were hurt right for the, for the whole EYBL season, weren't you? Two years. Yeah, ago? I actually played. I actually played Under Armour. So, but I was I was hurt my whole AAU season. That That's whole uh, yep. going into my season, so I didn't even play at all. That's right. That's right. So I didn't see you at all. Um, but man, like how hard you play and how how you lock in defensively is something that I think a lot of top recruits could could watch you and learn a lot from. Um, what what is the biggest thing that you're going to work on now that the coaching staff has said you need to work on um, to make that jump from your freshman to your sophomore year? Yeah, obviously, um, I think improving a lot of different areas of my game. Obviously, I just want to be more consistent on the offensive end. You know, um, obviously, I play hard all the time. But I think I think I'll also just having another year under my belt, I kind of understand the game a little better. You know, coming into the college game, there's some things you do in college. Uh, I would say things you did in high school that you can't do in college. And I think just being here another year is going to help me ways you know obviously I have a lot of things to work on but just just learn the game and figure out different spots on the court to attack and use my size and versatility is going to be something that's definitely going to help me here too I, th I think coach Shire is uh is one of the few coaches in America where he could actually be confused for a player that's on the roster like when he walks in you can't sit there and say okay we know who the coach is um mm -hmm. last year was his first year filling in for coach K what did you uh, what were some takeaways from from what he was as a coach? Like, how what, were you impressed with him? Were you kind of like, were there times when you were like, eh, I don't know, what, what's he talking about here? Like, what, what was your overall reaction from going through that season with him? Yeah, it was great. You know, obviously, it was his first year, too, with um, – it was 11 our, of our first years here, too. So it was cool to see him grow throughout the season, you know, seeing his his growth as a coach and, you know, it, it being his first time going through it. And obviously, he did a really good job with us, you know. I think something we take away from Coach Shire, he has confidence in all of us. You know, he tells us every time in the film sessions and practices, you miss five in a row, shoot the next one. You know, be confident in yourself. And the confidence that he has just bleeds through to us each and every day. And, you know, we know he has our back, you know, no matter what. Since I've known him, he's been recruiting me, you know, how much confidence he has in me and all of us. So, you know, I think he's just going to keep getting better. He's going to be really good for the years to come. All right, listen, your minutes are good. So, so I'm going to ask you your favorite uh, Shire story. You can give me anything. Uh, yeah. But but I'm going to protect you here, all right? So, like, you can give me a funny one. You can give me an embarrassing one. And I've known Shire since he was, like, 15. So yeah. we, we, we can we can have a little fun with this. Yeah, I think I think the thing I would say is um, I didn't know he actually was really good at, at basketball. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. I remember uh, I came on my – I'd been talking to him a little bit, and I came on my official visit, and uh, – he said something about – I knew he won the national championship, but I didn't know, like, he was a leading scorer and he was an All-American because he's – I mean, he's 6'5", but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know he was all that. So, remember, I got back to the hotel. I looked up John Shire, and there was all this stuff and the Jewish Jordan and him scoring 21 points and, and all this. So, I think that was definitely uh, – he it caught me off guard when I figured out he could actually still hoop a little bit and that he was actually a really good player. So Can he still play? He can. He can't, surprisingly. Obviously, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. But he, they, they play pickup after practice him and Emil Jefferson and Coach Lucas and all those guys. They'll play with the managers. He definitely a super competitive, super skilled, super smart. Like, I, you can see why he was a really good player. He watched him play. So, yeah. He's really – uh, Give me his scouting report now, Mark. 
Is he just like a spot up shooter? Is he does he have the old man game where he's gonna try to back you down? What's he do? Um, he does a little bit of everything. Obviously, he can still shoot it. Um, he's definitely he's gonna like he's the type of player to like kind of foul you and act like he didn't foul you or something. Get a steal. <laughs> um, I think maybe make him finish over length. Obviously, he's not gonna get the high off the floor, but he's 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 pretty good still. Surprisingly, you know, I think uh, we all are surprised sometimes at uh, how good he can still play. So hey, with with all you guys coming back. And you bring in a really good freshman class. I saw a lot of those kids play uh, a year ago. And actually, T.J. Power is not far from me. Uh, and Rob knows how much I like T.J. Power. Like, I, I think he is. A Don't stud. get him started, Mark. Don't get him started. <laughs> no, I do. I, I Listen, he was the best player at the PTM last year. He was the best player. And I don't think anybody could dispute that. Um, I, I just think you guys have absolutely everything you need next year to win a national title. I, I've ranked you preseason number one. I don't know. I don't know if you like that or don't like that. Probably as a kid, you like that. I, I don't think Shire loves it because most coaches don't want any part of that, those expectations. Yeah, um, obviously it's a little different than where we were from last year. I think a lot of people were kind of we were kind of underrated at times. You know, we were preseason top ten, but I think when we went on that little run, we were kind of underrated. So just being kind of spotlight now. I mean, it's cool. Um, I don't think we take too much weight into it. You know, being haven't went through the season once we know the highs and lows and what can happen. So, and there's a, I'm not going to say that, but I think being preseason number one, uh, I mean, it's cool and all. You like it. You can say yeah, it. You like it, it, right? It's it's all right. You know, um, we definitely still got to. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're Duke. I mean, we still got to go in every day, you know, put our work in and do what we got to do and show it on the court. But obviously we have what it takes to win a national championship and we're definitely going to strive for that every day. You sidestepped that one like a pro, Mark. That was that was a that was a beautiful performance right there. Um, last thing I want to ask you is this: How much did you guys see Coach K around the program last year? Was he does he have like an office in the building? Does he come in and help out in practice? Like, do you just it's not an hear? office? Hey, Doster, it's a floor. He's got a floor to himself. It's right, Mark. It's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, up on the sixth floor. Yeah. Um, we see him. We see him every now and then. It's not like he he doesn't come to every practice or. You know, he said he's not going to be around that much. He's, he's really not. Um, we'll see him from day to day, walking through, say what's up. He'll come. Uh, I actually see him a couple minutes ago. But, uh, yeah, obviously, he only came to one game, I think. Um, but we see him around, you know. He, all, he knows us all. He'll say – he'll give us a little advice, things like that. But he definitely uh, lets Coach Shire do what he has to do. But we still see him around. Was there anything he said to you, though, last year? Was there any point where he kind of gave you some – you know, is he giving you some advice or is he completely staying out of that and you're not even thinking of going to Coach K? and Because, I mean, if if I'm a player, I would want to know what Coach K thinks of my game. I would. Yeah. I mean, he's a, arguably the greatest coach of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like at the time, he had just told me, just you just keep playing hard. You know, he thinks that a lot of players, you know, don't naturally do that. And he saw that every time I go on the court, I just try to go out there and compete. And that's one of the things he told me to never lose that no matter what here, NBA, whatever I'm doing, just keep that with me. So, Well, listen, Mark, we appreciate the time. Thank you for jumping on here with us, and uh, thank you for your insight into into Coach Shire's basketball game. I'm going to make sure to uh, to let him know I heard about that uh, said, at some point. I, I wrote down a quote, Rob. Obviously, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. That's a <laughs> quote from Mark Mitchell and John Shire. That, will be, that should be plastered in the locker room, Mark, in, in the coach's room. We're everywhere, everywhere. We're going to try to get Mike DeGeorge to blow that up and put it everywhere. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It, it's the it's the bulletin board material for when he Sorry. needs to go out there and run noontime hoops, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mark, Thanks, man. Thank you for the time, man. Appreciate you being here. For sure. Appreciate y'all. You got it.
All right. That was uh that was Mark Mitchell, which was that was a fun interview, man. He's a good kid. He's I like great. him. Oh, he's great. Really, really good, insightful, loose, fun. Um that Duke team's gonna be fun to watch next year. Hey, They're gonna he, be fun. He dodged he dodged your grenade like a pro. That yeah, was that was amazing to watch. That was a veteran right there. I'll tell you what, Mike George, if you're still watching this, man, great job media training, Mark Mitchell. <laughs> he's got it, man. He's got it. That guy's a vet right there already. All right, Goodman. Um, let's stick in the ACC because one of the guys that I do want to ask you about is uh, is Isaiah Wong. He's declared for the NBA draft. It looks like he's probably on his way out. It feels like he's been at Miami for 23 years already, so I don't know if he has anything else to prove there. Got him to Elite Eight, got him to a Final Four. Uh, they also lose Jordan Miller, um, but they're loss. bringing back Wuga Poplar. They're bringing back Nigel Pack. They're bringing back Norchad. Like, is there any reason at this point to have a doubt that Jim Laranagas is just going to figure out a way to make this Miami team be dangerous when it comes to the month of March. I don't, have you looked at life while it's stock price lately? No, oh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it is not good. It's in a bad spot. So I would just be worried more than anything that if I'm Nigel and um, and some of his other dudes that are getting paid right now, Norchad, are are the the NIL checks still coming in this coming year? Like I think they will. I mean, two year deals. Hopefully, they're guaranteed. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. I, I love Nigel Norchad. They got some good players. Obviously, Wooger was really good last year, made a big jump. But they got to add some pieces now because those young kids didn't play last year. Like none of them really played. Harlan Beverly's gone too. So like they got to get some dudes, and I don't think they've gotten anybody yet in the portal. So uh, they got to get to work and 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 take advantage. It's weird. Like the portal right now. It's really interesting because I don't think there's a ton of like the highest end guys in it. And it's like when I looked at Arkansas and all the guys they got early, I almost think it was like, all right, let's go get some dudes now because we don't know what the marketplace is going to look like at the end of the portal. There might not be a ton of talent. So we're going to go get as many guys as we can now and just kind of stockpile what we know we can get rather than other schools. Looks, looks like Miami might be one of those. That's saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to wait it out a little bit longer uh, and, and maybe see what happens. See who else goes in the portal um, instead of just grabbing what you can now. The one thing I will say about Miami is this. They kind of have the linchpins for their program, right? They kind of have the guys that you need to be the star. I mean, Isaiah Nigel Wong Pack, was a linchpin. Yes, but Nigel Jordan. Pack, I think, can can take a step forward this year. Yeah. And I think Wuga Poplar is going to end up being one of the players that everybody has as like a breakout star. Or, you know, when we put together those lists in the preseason, he's going to be on there. So you got two dudes in your backcourt and you got Norchad back. I think with them, they just need to find pieces, right? Um, you don't need to go out there and hit home runs. You need to hit singles and doubles and five guys that are going to be able to step in and do, do a job, right? Like, well, I'll just, I, I'll keep going back to Danny Hurley and UConn on this. Um, when they went into the portal last year, yeah. they went in and they found guys that could go out there and do specific yeah. jobs that they needed filled from Naheem Aline to Joey Calcaterra to all the guys, to Tristan Newton, to all the guys that they know, brought. But they had, they had a pro in Hawkins. Yeah, for sure. Start. They do. And I, I like, I'm not saying that I think Miami's going to be able to win a national title next year, right. okay. but I think they're going to be right there in the mix at the top of the ACC, maybe yeah. not beating Duke, but I think that finishing somewhere in that two to four range, which will make them a threat when it comes to March, because they're going to have two guards that can get a bucket and a guy inside that can uh, that can hoover up all of the misses. So I don't hate the situation that they're in. They got to bring in some pieces, but I think it's important to note that they have to bring in pieces. 
They don't have to get dudes. If you go, uh, let's let's put it in context. Yeah. Where did Nigel Pack come from? Came from Kansas State. Yep. What does Kansas State need this year? They need dudes because Marquise Noel is gone. And it looks like Keontae Johnson, I don't know if he's got another year of eligibility. I can't keep track with that one, but uh, I would not be surprised to see him go because he'll probably end up being a uh, – I think he'll end up being an NBA player, right? I think he'll probably be pro. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, so – that it's it's a better situation to be in to be Miami than Kansas. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, again, you got two good players, three good players coming back from mm-hmm. um, from a team that went to the Final Four. Sure, uh, I like it. I just want to see what else they put around them. I'm not sure complimentary players will be enough to get them back to where they can compete for an ACC title or something like that. Well, there, I mean, no one's gonna. I don't think anyone's gonna compete for an ACC title with Duke this year. I think Duke is going to roll. I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. I, I, I would, I would tend to agree with you there. I mean, I, I really like this Duke team. Again, I, I just, you know, what I think with the with this Duke team is, we didn't even mention Jeremy Roach to, to Mitchell. You know, I think he'll come back because I, I just don't know why he wouldn't. Um, but they have all the pieces now. Like the only thing they're missing is another big right now, and they'll go on the portal. They'll get another big that will that will help out. Uh, up front but man their perimeter is is really good and again you're not even talking about some of the 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 guys they have coming in the kid mccain coming in again you you know what i think of tj power being a versatile forward who can do everything and he's older as well so you know that that's the one thing you looked at like brandon miller and i'm not saying tj power is going to be brandon miller but brandon miller was older for his Mm -hmm. grade last year and i think that helped him stand out the the age gap wasn't as significant from brandon miller to some of those 24 25 year olds as it was you know the 18 year olds freshmen Mm -hmm. yep and uh i think you're right they do need one other like big someone that can do the the Derek lively job they've been uh they're in the mix for caden shedrick they're in the mix for a couple of these other um star big guys that are uh currently available in the transfer market so It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. I want to stick in the ACC again because there's a couple more teams I want to talk to you about here. First and foremost, Syracuse. Yeah. They lose Jim Beheim. They promote Red Autry. They landed J.J. Starling. They just landed Chance Westry, who, by the way, the, the Auburn staff was the most excited about out of all their freshmen last year. Yeah. Um, but they lost Jesse Edwards to the portal. They lost Joe Girard to the portal. I'm not sure where he's ended up at this point. I don't think he's committed anywhere yet. No, no, um, but, and I don't know if he's definitely like he put his name out there for for pro stuff. So I'm not sure what he's going to do. Yeah, so it, it's yeah. it'll be an interesting situation there. But they also lost very publicly their biggest financial backer, this guy Adam Weitzman, who's been paying some NIL deals to Syracuse yeah. players, who pays all of these uh, these celebrities to come and sit with him front row. Yeah, it's go weird. To games. It's now super to, weird. Let's let's put that in a little bit of context because. One thing that Jim Beheim did say last year in one of the many rants that he had is that Weitzman has never paid anybody on his team like real NIL money. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, and obviously after Jesse Edwards said what he said in that interview with uh, with ESPN where he basically said that's not really – NIL is not really what Syracuse yeah. is doing, they went out and they got Chance Westry, a transfer from Auburn, who uh, who does NIL very well. So I don't know what the, the real – story is there but what do you make of this Syracuse team what do you think they are moving forward and how confident are you today in what Red Autry is doing uh up in uh the great northeast I mean listen I think, I think what if, are we calling that the north orange something south Canada is what we're calling Syracuse now. sure <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I would say this. I mean, to me, again, at least they've quickly plugged the holes. You know, like I love the J.J. Starlin, and that was right away. I mean, that happened like immediately. Decommitted, and that was a done deal right away. I think Westry certainly helps. Um, you know, if, if Gerard doesn't come back, obviously they're different players. The key is Judah Mintz. Like, he's the key right now. If you got Judah Mintz back with Starling, with Westry, you're basically a big away, you know. And, and you know, Benny Williams, will he be better next year? He took a little bit of a step. Maybe the kid Peter Carey can uh, come on a little bit next year if he added some weight this this season while he was sitting. Um, you know, so I think they're one big away. And, and there just aren't a lot of bigs out there right now. That That's the biggest thing in the portal. There's not a ton of bigs. So everybody's kind of waiting to see, like, who else jumps in the portal, especially if there are any other bigs that do. Everybody's going to fight for them. Again, Duke will be all over any quality big that goes in the portal at this point. There's been rumors with a bunch of these guys. I'm not going to mention their names because it is just rumors. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – their perimeter is pretty good. If Mintz comes back, they're in business and they're one big away. And and the question's going to be: Is Red Autry married to the zone or not? That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, that's going to be Hoff, really, really. Hoff went out to Washington and was pretty much married to it. Uh, I, I don't know if Red will. I, I think Red will probably mix it up. If I had to guess, I, I don't know the answer to that yet. But I would think they'll be a little more adaptable than they were under Bayham defensively. Yeah, they should be. Zones can only get you so far, I think. You need to be able to switch it up. All right. Um, last team in the ACC we got to discuss, Louisville. They added Sky Clark a while back, but they haven't really done anything else. And in the process, they also lost the guy that averaged 17-5 and five for them last season to Arkansas. So are you, are you buying Louisville making an improvement next year? Not yet. No. I mean, well, an improvement, sure. They won four games. <laughs> so they better make an improvement. I mean, it's gotta hard get to five, to. Kenny. Come on, Kenny. You got to get the five wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think yes, there'll be an there'll be an improvement, but will it be significant? You go from four wins to twelve wins. That is not going to be enough, and that probably gets you fired. Uh, as I've said, I think they need to win 16, 17 games at a minimum. I, I really do, I, and and there's no reason they they shouldn't. Um, they can flip this whole roster. It's not like L. Ellis was. You know, this player that was putting up numbers for a team that won games. So to me, you flip the roster. You can do that, but you don't know what you got. You know, they, they signed this uh, Juco guard, uh, Juco transfer uh, guard from Gary, Indiana, uh, Karan Davis. I don't know anything about him at this point. Um, you know, again, Sky Clark, I'm hoping he's better than he was last year, but. He looked like a player that that had come off a, a significant injury. Uh, he just he didn't look like he was ready to play big time college basketball yet. Now again, maybe with another year uh, and and getting adjusted, maybe he comes in and 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 is really good for Kenny Payne at Louisville. But um, I, I don't have confidence that Louisville is going to do anything more than win a dozen games next year and be a little bit better until I see a, a major transition in, in the, the roster and the quality of talent. Yeah. The, the thing that I'm really worried about is that when, when they hired Kenny, right, the, the hype about him was, Oh, he's going to help us get players. Right. Yeah. 
He's going to help us recruit. That's what he did so well at Kentucky. He was part of the reason that Kentucky was able to get all of these uh, these commitments, all of these star players. Like, he's the reason why Cal was able to get the five-star, whatever. Okay, can right? I stop you there? Can I stop you? Go ahead. Because he worked for Oregon and Kentucky. Um, those are the well, two places. Honestly, if you told me to list the easiest places to get players from, it would be working for John Calipari at Kentucky or basically working for Phil Knight at Oregon and Nike. They're helping mm -hmm. those two programs more than anybody else. And again, I love Kenny Payne. I love Kenny Payne. But Kenny Payne wasn't what got those players to those places. Mm -hmm. He's super well-liked. And as an assistant coach, I think he fit very well at those places. My biggest question now is some guys are more built to be an assistant than a head coach. Kenny Payne needs to prove to people that he's a head coach and not an assistant. Yep, I agree. Um, West Virginia, they brought in Kirk Carissa. They brought in Jesse Edwards. They have been as active as anybody in the Big 12 in the portal. Is yeah. this – did by, you by expect, the way, Kerr, first and foremost? Kerr said he'll come on the show again. The other day I asked him to come on, but uh, he had a big uh, – he was hitting the golf course, and and I said, like, you probably need it. I mean, I'm sure his golf game sucks, is my yeah. guess. So I think he needs to, to, you know, take some lessons. That's more important than coming on our show. Uh, but but he will make an appearance at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, her and Jesse Edwards are a good start for Hugs. They're a good start, and, and he's got some talent coming back. Um, it, it's funny because Hugs was kind of the name that everybody threw out there, like, all right, NIL might end it for hugs. And instead, mm -hmm. NIL might extend it for hugs. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. It was like, did you expect to, that 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 Bob Huggins of all people would be the one that that was adaptable enough to do this? And frankly, like, we probably should have expected it. Look at what that guy's done throughout his career in terms of the different ways that he's played. He took over a John Beeline team and played 1-3-1 for a while and had success with Deshaun Butler as a star. Then he turns into a Press Virginia team. If you remember that year when they when Press Virginia first started happening, they lost like three of their top four players to transfer in the offseason. And then he was just like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go with Javon Carter and Daxter Miles and just junk everything up and make it be ugly. Like, he's able to adapt. He's able to figure out how to make it work. And, you know, if you got to get in the transfer portal and, and, and do it that way, then you got to get in the transfer portal and do it that way. So I – we should not be surprised that, that he's been able to do what he's been able to do. Yeah, no. And, and, and again, you could see when we had him on in Houston, I know you couldn't hear him, but uh, I heard him and, and asked him about the, the contract situation and everything. Cause there've been plenty of speculation that, you know, he, he might not be even asked back. Uh, he made it pretty clear, like he's coming back and, and it's not for the short term. And I think mm -hmm. as long as hugs knows, he can impact kids, number one, right? He can take care of kids. See, I think there's a misnomer with some of the old guys in NIL. Um, Hugs is all about the kids, but but he also wants these kids to earn it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that's the hardest part of this. It's like the kids who have earned it, like Hunter Dickinson, yeah, he's earned NIL. Now, I know they didn't go to the tournament this year, but it wasn't because of Hunter. It was because of, of you know, what was around him more than anything. Um, the guys who have earned it, that that's fair. I'm waiting for the day, and I shouldn't say this, but but I'm going to. Uh, I'm waiting for the day that a parent pays, because I think some of these kids, even in the portal, are getting paid now on NIL based on their recruiting rankings. I'm waiting for the day that a parent 
pays off somebody who does the recruiting rankings to move their kid higher because it's only going to help them with NIL going forward. Mm -hmm. Because I think, again, like I'll use a kid like MJ Rice as an example. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying MJ Rice isn't good and he he might have a great career at at NC state, but he was like a top, what 25 ish recruit coming out of high school. And he averaged two points a game at Kansas this year, but his value is still very, very high. Why? Because he was a top 25-ish recruit coming out of high school. So my guess is he still commanded high NIL dollars based on that, uh, largely based on that recruiting ranking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I would rue the day that you found out that any of that happened because we would not hear the end of it for uh, years on end. Real quick, you mentioned Hunter Dickinson. I do just want to. Yeah. Do you have any insight? Do you have any update? Do you have any idea what's going on there? I still maintain that um, I understand that he's from D.C. I understand that there is a pull to head back home and play for a program like a Georgetown, to play for a program like a Maryland, even though he's uh, kind of savaged that Maryland fan base in the past. Um, I understand all of that. I understand like why there are connections with Syracuse, why people are connecting those dots because of old AAU coaches and whatnot. Kansas. Go to Kansas. I'll give you two reasons. Hunter, Hunter, I know you listen to the show. Do you know what Bill Self is going to do with you as the five man? Do you know how many times you're going to just get layup after layup after layup? You're going to average 22 points in the best conference in college basketball. I'm telling you, man. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to add something to it. Okay. You said Bill Self. I'll say Dewan Harris. I'll say Dewan Harris. You've got a point. How many point guards are you going to find that are going to like? I love Rowan Brombaugh. We know that. And, and, and Jaden Epps, they're both good. Like, But they're not the one Harris. He's won a national title, and he is a pass-first point guard. Who wouldn't want to play with that dude? So you're playing for the best coach in, in America, arguably, along with probably Rick Pitino, with arguably the best passing point guard in the country who has a ring, by the way, on his finger. Like, mm-hmm. this – to me, is kind of a no-brainer as long as the numbers work and, and the numbers being the NIL if they're competitive. As it's long Kansas. as they're competitive. It's Kansas. Well, it should be. Yeah, we just don't know. I mean, again, Georgetown's got a lot of money. behind. That's another reason that, again, Cooley went to, to Georgetown. You add, there were a multitude of reasons, but one of which was, again, they've got a, a shit ton of money behind them. I understand that they have a lot of money. It's Kansas. I, I'm not Kansas had a lot of money before NIL was NIL when yeah. I, NIL was still just a bag. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. you think I would, they, don't I have, would, they don't have any money now that you can give it away Kansas. legally. If I were him, I would go to Kansas. And there's only other th- one other thing I'm going to disagree with you with you on when you said the Big 12 is the best league in America. That may not be the case this year. No, it's going to be the Big East. You're right. Um, all right, last thing I got for you, and then we're gonna then we're gonna end the show. Bigger impact. If Hunter Dickinson goes and plays the five for Bill Self, or if Max Acemas goes and plays the one for Jerome Tang at Kansas State. Hunter, Hunter. Because, again, it's Bill Self, it's Kansas. They're going to add – they'll add another piece or two here around him. Um, their bench wasn't very good last year. You know, but, but I mean, imagine K.J. Adams at the four where he should be mm-hmm. with Hunter. Especially because Hunter can shoot it a little bit now. Did you see what what Hunter shot at last year from three? You know what the numbers were? It was Hold like it, it's it's really high. It's like forty three or something. It like was that, wasn't it was it? yeah. It was like really high. 
Like, yeah. hold on, I'm gonna tell you right now. It was, uh, yeah, 42% from three, 42. So, you know, he and KJ Adams could play together. Obviously, you get to one Harris, you know, you'll need, uh, and they got some talent coming in. They, they, they got talent. They'll probably add another, I assume, veteran wing here. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Hunter Dickinson to Kansas would be, uh, Massive news. Hunter Dickinson committing anywhere is going to be massive news. And when that news happens, you can be sure that we at the Field of 68 will be reacting to it. Hopefully, we'll be breaking it. Hopefully, we'll have Hunter Dickinson on here talking with us about uh, where he's going to end up going to college. I don't know if that's going to uh, it's going to work itself out. But um, I think we, we covered just about everything that's happened over the course of the last wow. week in college basketball. Um, this is the place to be. If you are a college basketball fan, if you are paying attention to the portal, if you are into the – uh, the roster movements and the roster changes that happen over the course of each and every spring. This is the best place for you to be tuned in. Uh, hopefully we'll have a couple more uh, announcements and a couple more decisions being made on this show in the next couple of weeks. Uh, stay tuned, keep posted, keep glued to our Twitter account at the field of 68. That's where you get all that information. So for Jeff Goodman, for our producer, Dagan Hughes, my name is Rob Doster. We will see you guys again next Tuesday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.